Hello, welcome to Recapping with Delora and Ashley. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Recapping Podcast. Also, comment, rate, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. We're on all the things. We would love to hear your ratings of the movies and shows we review. Email us your audio file to recappingpodcast at gmail.com and we will play it during the show. Or DM us on Instagram and we will post and read it on air. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you. Delora, new week. What's going on, honey? Hey, Ashley. I'm happy to be here with you. Same, same girl. We have a interesting recap this week of a Hulu original series that just wrapped called Nine Perfect Strangers. Guys, if you have not checked this out yet, it was released serially. The first episode dropped August 18th and the finale just dropped September 22nd. This is based on a novel by Leanne Moriarty, one of my favorites. Another collab with series creator David E. Kelly, who also did Big Little Lies, along with series creator John Henry Butterworth. Nicole Kidman and Melissa McCarthy serve as executive producers. Quick summary, nine stressed city dwellers visit a boutique health and wellness resort that promises healing and transformation. The resource director is a woman on a mission to reinvigorate their tired minds and bodies. Dum, dum, dum. All right, cast. Nicole Kidman as Masha, Melissa McCarthy as Francis, Michael Shannon as Napoleon Marconi, Asher Ketty as Heather Marconi, Grace Van Patten as Zoe Marconi, Luke Evans as Lars. Luke, I saw you on a cover recently. You're looking phenomenal. Regina Hall as Carmel Showstopper. Bobby Cannavale as Tony. Samara Weaving as Jessica, who I remember from Smilf on Showtime. Melvin Ooh. Gregg as Ben, who, when I looked up, because I was like, he looks a little familiar. He's been in Snowfall, Unreal, which, Delora, you and I watched on Lifetime mm-hmm. originally, mm-hmm. and also Black AF that was on Netflix. Uh, Tiffany Boone as Delilah, uh, re- may recognize her from Little Fires Everywhere. She played the younger version mm-hmm. of Carrie Washington's mm-hmm. character, as yep. well as The Shy, and Manny Jacinto as Yao. This is the first role I've seen him in since Jason (laughs) on The Good Place. And I have to say, in this role, he was quite sexy. Okay. I really enjoyed this. (laughs) Um, I know there are some other honorable mentions of the cast, guys. Feel free to look them up. We're just going to keep it brief for the sake of time. All right, reviews. Rotten Tomatoes, 62% critic score, 59% audience score, 71% of Google users enjoyed this series. Delora, what is your grade for nine perfect strangers? All right, Ashley, I gave this series a C. It was fine. It was fine. It was entertaining. I wanted to know what was going to happen next. I felt like it was slightly anticlimactic, but I did really enjoy the performances, specifically uh, Melissa McCarthy and um, <laughs> what's his name? Luke Evans and um, Bobby. 
I really enjoyed them. I mean, I, I, it was well acted. I guess I should say all that because honestly, the cast is perfect, literally. Absolutely. <laughs> How about you? Um, we are in a complete agreement. I debated this, but I ultimately gave it a C as well. Um, as I mentioned, I love Leanne Moriarty as a writer. I read the majority of her books and I always enjoy seeing her projects brought to screen, but I did not read this one. So I was excited about the premise and what this mysterious story was all about it was to your point mm -hmm. another stellar cast especially standout for me was absolutely Regina King Regina I'm about to say Regina King Regina Hall who deserves an award because she creeped me the fuck out um, but I can't say to your point that I felt a level of real satisfaction overall with my experience once it was all said and done and mm -hmm. I'll elaborate on that once we get to the end so yep spoiler alert recap nation we are about to get into the good good of nine perfect strangers so delora we start the show with our core cast of characters all in various stages of travel to a 10-day transformation retreat called tranquillum per a discussion with one of uh our guest families the marconis the Tr tranquillum experience has won two global wellness awards mental wellness and social impact they discuss the price break that they as a family got and oh how wonderful it is to put wellness over profit as they speculated that others were probably paying thousands of dollars so let's mm -hmm. talk about our nine perfect strangers. I already mentioned the Marconis, which are Napoleon's the dad, Heather's the mom, and Zoe is their 20-year-old daughter. We also have Jess and Ben, who are a married couple experiencing some issues, arrive in a beautiful yellow Lamborghini. Frances, a novelist who is losing her book contract when she arrives at Tranquillum. Um, and I'll keep these other three short because we have a lot to discover about them over the course of the series. So I call in Jaded Lars, Upbeat Carmel, and Short-Tempered Tony. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very smart. I like that. So first impressions amongst the guests were not great, Delora. We have Francis and Tony who met before they made it to Tranquillum on the side of the road. He mm -hmm. thinks she's having a breakdown. She's not here for the judgment. And then we mm -hmm. also have Carmel and Lars who meet in a nearby corner store. Also not a great interaction. And then finally, Tony pulls into Tranquillum honking at our couple, Ben and Jess. So my overall feeling to start was I'm not feeling very tranquil at Tranquillum. Quillum. Okay. We start to meet mm. the staff. They're all attractive, calm, yogi type of vibes with mm -hmm. Yao and Delilah taking the lead. The surroundings are lush, resort-like. We're in California. So Delora, give me your first impressions of our guests as well as our staff to start the series. Well, for the guest, I was thinking, oh yeah, absolutely needed. <laughs> this retreat is needed for every single one of them, right? Yes. Um, I thought it was very interesting to see the different social economic station of each uh, individual. Very apparent uh, by their vehicles. <laughs> their vehicles, their manner of dress. Um, you know, I did think Jess and Ben were definitely Instagrammers, influencers, or something along those lines, you know. At least Jess. Fake. Yeah, at least <laughs> Jess gives you that impression, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But um, I knew I wasn't going to hate Tony, though. He seemed like a gruff guy for some reason or another. And Camille, she just seemed hurt. Her, she just made me nervous. You know what I mean? Like, 
she's just a little too jittery or too wanting to please people like it was it was a lot so what about you I think that my first impressions were so reserved because I was so confused about what was happening at the very beginning it was like again all of these staff members seem you know very calm very zen what's really going on here my mind started going to worst case scenario like are y'all about to kill these people you know what I mean like I just I felt so uneasy like nothing Mm -hmm. about it was making me feel um peaceful at all and then to your point yes everybody was coming in I could tell everybody had some level of an issue they were trying to resolve and so just wanting to know a lot more especially about the final three that we talked about that we didn't really get a sense of what their point was to this what their journey was for this um so let's get into it a little bit more in in an interaction between Lars and the staff we find out guests had to submit medical records had to submit to a blood draw every few days while they're there Delora would you see these as red flags or go with this as a part of your wellness journey they are absolutely red flags like I didn't know if anybody was a medical or board certified medical physician, right? You're not taking my blood for what? And doing what with it, right? And they were so, um, you know, it just seemed like it was a shroud of secrecy of what they were going to do with the blood, but they were like, well, you can sit to it. And I'm like, no, I need specifics. Thanks this is a part of me you're taking like and they tell different stories to each person who asked that was another thing was yes. the inconsistency of like oh there's definitely a different purpose for this you tell them one person is for this you tell them Melissa McCarthy oh it's to check your blood sugar yep. like yep. y'all like this is not and consistent messaging the other thing too I was wondering if there was levels to the treatment because um the room that Lars was in seemed very like medical you know, but then for Melissa's character, Frances, she had like this lush room with the tub in the middle and everything like that. I was like, so are there levels to Tranquilum or, you know, as Price coming in brand new? Maybe at least. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, I agree with you on that. Masha, the head of Tranquilum, appears very ethereal about halfway through episode one as Frances is breaking down crying in that room of hers. She gave me cult leader vibes more than angelic vibes when we first meet her. Um, Delilah, as I mentioned, who was one of the head lead staff members, expresses concern about the energy of this group from the very beginning, which for me watching validated this complete uneasiness that I felt. Everyone, yeah. About this experience that we're all about mm-hmm. to go into. Like, y'all, it seems like the guests had a very specific idea of what they were getting themselves into. And I just didn't think that that was what was really going to happen. So come to find out by and the I end felt of- like- I felt like everyone kind of like worshiped her in some ways too. They exalted her so much that I was just like, it was very cult leader. It was very cult leader. 
by the end of episode one, Masha is promising a truly transformative experience to the guests in orientation and relays her experience of coming from Russia, working like crazy in the U.S., and then being shot in a parking garage and revived by none other than Gal. For the guests, it seems a rude awakening as they expected relaxation, maybe a little yoga. And she says, Masha says, this is Tranquillum. I mean, to fuck with all of you. Delora, all I felt was concern. <laughs> Continue concern for what was she in said store. It with such a straight face. I'm like, <laughs> what do you mean, ma'am? Like, <laughs> what? But it's almost one of those things, too. And I'm not revealing anything, but when people tell you who they are, believe them the first time kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was setting the tone. And the and tone. People were so dismissive of it. You know? The tone overall was ominous, and I think that was apparent. You know what I mean? Yes. There's a lot yes. that's going to be revealed. So let's move on into uh, more of the series. Slowly but surely, we find out all the guest stories and what brought them to Tranquillum. We see Zoe run out of orientation upset. In a conversation with Francis, we find out that her twin brother, Zach, died three years ago possibly the reason for their stay, right? She mentions her and her twin brother, though, weren't close. Um, Tensions were very, very high in that orientation. As Masha, we find out, had taken items from some of their bags, like Tony's peels and alcohol. We also find out that she curates these groups that come to Tranquillum. It is intentional about who you are paired with when you come to this experience. And also that things just are not to my point earlier, as expected, Masha, who seems so in control, begins getting anonymous death threats. Delora, did you have any inkling early on as to who might be threatening Masha's life? No, not at all. My first assumptions were, you know, somebody's on the grounds and she just doesn't know who that is. Um, I'm not going to lie, speaking to the ominous tone of the show, with her handpicking them and her going, you know, disappearing and reappearing. And when she does disappear, she's watching them on video. I just Mm -hmm. feel like, what the heck is actually going on here? Like, it's just like, what, what are your intentions? You know, intentions. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, That's why I mentioned that she is someone who seems like she really enjoys being in control because to your point, she even has the premises on camera and watches everybody. So when she Mm -hmm. starts getting these anonymous death threats, it's like, is this the first time this has happened? Is this a part of your past and some other shady stuff that went on with you getting shot? Yeah, she seems so calm about it. Like it was inevitable in some ways too, right? Like what type of stuff have you done? exactly (laughs) to warrant this (laughs) what's really going on Masha what's really good Tony and Francis they keep rubbing up against each other in this series right and Tony almost kills Francis (laughs) by tossing a grape in her mouth while she slept in the pool I have to be honest with you lying about it but it cracked me up like their interactions cracked me up Um, But she ended up opening up about her trauma, essentially, which is a guy named Paul that she fell in love with online who conned her out of money. I think they go on to say it was like 128K that he conned her out of with a fake child. I thought it was just 10 grand, but. No, 128,000. Yeah. (laughs) Fake child who had a fake illness. Where is Neve when you need him is what I put in my notes. Okay. This was horrible catfish. 
because speaking of first impressions, especially for someone like Frances, Frances got the drip. She was carrying the Louis bag. She had the Chanel slides. She was always, you know, you could tell she was a, a successful woman, right? Mm-hmm. She's a novelist. And, and you, but then at the same time, you in a way saw her vulnerability in the sense of like, it's not surprising that she got caught up, right? Like she wanted to be loved. She wanted to love someone and she fell for her own fairy tale. She fell for fiction, you know? She fell for that okie doke for sure. I mean, she talks about the fact that she's twice divorced. Um, Obviously she's hitting a very big rough patch in her career. And imagine when you've set your life up such where career is number one for you, I can only imagine how scary it is when that idea of failure because mm-hmm. when the, when she's headed to Tranquillum, she gets the call to say your your publishers want to buy you out of your book deal, which means possibly, you know, it's a wrap on mm-hmm. her career as she's known it. So when this whole scenario came up with um with Paul, my thought was, well, damn, you're somebody probably who was really wanting to have that work life balance. You've been so successful. You wanted the love as a part of it. And you got taken for such a ride. Like, mm-hmm. I can only imagine how that must have felt for Francis. So I felt I felt really bad for Francis when we started the series. I'll say that. By episode three, tensions have escalated to a physical altercation between Lars and Carmel. She lunged and choked him out a bit after some antagonism. So quickly, so quickly. Yeah, Nars obviously was the cynic of the group, right? <laughs> he was the but asshole. I did not expect her to be so unnerved so quickly, you know? Like, I actually laughed out loud at that part. I actually put in my in my notes, I'm like, come out! jumped over the table blah ha 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 that's how much I laughed because I just was not ready for that <laughs> it was so unexpected I didn't laugh but I was like this is why this is the underlying true Carmel like I shouldn't even say it like that she's she, she, mm. it's not that she was not possibly still a nice person but it was like this is the tension that we're feeling that like underlies that character she has some rage issues clearly all the guests are, they have to eat breakfast Major. together every day. Yes. And somebody says something that gets in your skin and you lunge at, like, you're about to choke this man out. And that was the first of, as we'll see, multiple incidents with Carmel with violence. So this was just a glimpse. <laughs> and, and technically it's so, you know, unexpected because she just seems like a normal housewife, right? You know, you would never expect that behavior out of her. Thank you for saying that, because that reminded me of something I was going to say again about Frances was to your point about uh, her being, you know, somebody who's looking for love. She also said to remember in the conversation with Carmel, she said, oh, I don't do that. Remember, she was like, oh, are you on the phone with your kids? Oh, I don't do that. I do things for a living. And so it was also the dismissiveness of the lifestyle that she may have always Mm -hmm. wanted. That was like Mm -hmm. interesting to me. It was an interesting exchange. But that's what people do. They belittle the things that they may be insecure about, right? That's a great point. More revelations, Delora. The Marconi son, Zach, actually committed suicide. Ben figured out and revealed who Tony really is. Because Tony, 
never wanted anybody to know what was going on with him. He was a former star tight end for the San Francisco mm-hmm. 49ers who blew out his knee, ended his career abruptly. Ben won $22 million from the lottery, but feels purposeless. Ooh. Carmel's husband left her for a younger woman. Jess is very insecure and addicted to social media for validation. And Heather wants her husband to have an affair because she's essentially lost interest in sex as well as life, honestly, since the suicide of her son. Really? See, with Heather, I I didn't catch that. I thought he didn't want to sleep with her. So got it. Yeah, she said, oh, I want him to have an affair. I want him to have an affair with one of you while we're here. I remember that part, but I didn't know if she was like over him or something, but okay. Thank you for clarifying that. Yeah. She's just depressed. The guys killing Masha's goat in episode three was a bit of a Lord of the flies moment to me, but (laughs) to be honest, not giving them food was a no go as well. I'm not sure I could have ate that goat though. That looked disgusting. Could you have eaten that goat? Girl, I was cracking up how they had, uh, that goat roasting I literally put in my notes WTF with the roasting goat like with the eyes and everything I'm like no thank you no thank you and honestly are people that hungry though Ashley I guess weren't supposed to eat from like I don't know like I didn't think it was that big of a deal if you if first of all we haven't gotten to the fact that they're being drugged i'm gonna get to that in just a second but they are not within their right minds that's one thing then they're being starved and every time they think they're getting some food it's like this is all because basically they have to live off the land it's earth day it's an episode that's focused on earth yeah. day they have to live off the land so you're telling me all i'm gonna eat is nuts and berries all day and for and at 7 p.m fair. for dinner all i'm gonna eat is another smoothie no yeah killing something <laughs> Well, actually, that's another thing, too, because I'm like, what is this place where they keep making these promises? And um, at this point, though, we became the audience became familiar with the term, quote unquote, protocol. So, like, yes, what is this protocol to where you're you're gaslighting people and thinking there's fruits and berries in the forest when there's literally one freaking avocado on a tree? That's not even right. So. I just feel like I don't understand what the motivations were again. So, and I don't even like avocado. So, what have done nothing for my life? I um, love avocado. It's amazing. I know, I'm one of the rare few. I know. Healthy, um, healthy fats. Healthy fats. <laughs> Masha, to your point, has been insisting on starting the guests on a quote unquote protocol, AKA Dolores. She's drugging them without their knowledge or consent. She admits to microdosing all but Jess and Ben and of course Zoe because she's underage with an illegal drug psilocybin aka magic mushrooms people were understandably upset the final guest reveal that Marcus and Emily were upset when they were drugged with cocaine and their margaritas (laughs) from last week's recap vacation frame please check that (laughs) if you have not already but the final guest reveal comes with this too. Um, at the beginning of episode four, Lars is actually an investigative journalist, Delora, and he's here to expose Tranquillum and expose Masha. But Masha's all for it. She's like, hey, I know about it. Mm. Do your thing. What would your reaction have been to this revelation about being drugged? I would be absolutely pissed. I mean, part of me at the same time also thought, well, 
this is like an alternative medicine kind of thing. So it's not surprising that the drug of choice are mushrooms. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, um, but I also knew something was up with the smoothies because, you know, looking at uh, the direction, the way they always pan the camera to the blender. And honestly, the vibrancy of some of that fruit, I was like, I want some of that. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I would not, I would not have been happy. I'm like, unless this was in some, you know, fine print, what, what? The same as I said on vacation, friends, we fight in. Like, I don't understand this idea of yeah. people doing things yeah. against your will and you just being like, well, I guess she may know what she's doing and it's for the best because we see that nobody actually leaves. Like, yeah, some people seem upset, like Francis, like Tony, they question it, but nobody actually leaves. Well, they needed some real help, Ashley. Okay, help is one thing, but ma'am, I don't do drugs. I don't, I'm not a drug person. So neither am I. I and, and I don't I know don't your like efficacy. I don't know, yes. you know, yes. if you really know what you're doing. So and to my point earlier, there's no board certified doctors in the place. So like, who's administering it? How do I know they're, you know, capable, competent in doing so? And I'm not going to be dead in the trees in a couple of days, you know? We're Black. We have a radar that goes off in many a situation. And for me, this would be another one because I just don't understand, like, would I even be in my right mind at this point to make this decision? I'm already on drugs, Delora. Yeah, but to your point, uh, the people started justifying them being there. I mean, Napoleon, <laughs> Napoleon saying he didn't need his CPAC for the night. And I think uh, he and his wife got it on that night. So seemed like they were doing better indeed. So again, nobody leaves. Everybody is, is going to go along for this ride. So as a part of the staff, we see some intermingling between Masha and Yao and Delilah. Seems she's having relations with Yao. Seems to be like it's creating some jealousy and some tension. This is where the cult situation comes into play very well because you know the way again they um exalted Masha and it's almost like she could do no wrong even fucking but, my man yeah exactly and that's what a lot of cult leaders do is like oh well I'm sharing myself with you know the congregation obviously you see it more often with men right mm -hmm. um and unfortunately young women but it's interesting to see that dynamic with the woman at the helm and her in this free love situation, you know? Absolutely. What did you think of the exercise with the dummy and sword that both Francis and Carmel seemed to get some level of catharsis out of, but Napoleon thought was scary AF. He was ready to go. Did you find this cathartic or scary? Well, I was also kind of like, mm, are you scared because you saw a black woman doing that? Ooh. Like the, the fear came then, but Francis did the <laughs> same thing. I'm sorry. Anyway, um, the point. I felt like you need to smash some shit up every once in a while, you know? That's why there are those rooms where you literally can go put on a hard hat and some and some scrubs or whatever onesie and go beat the shit out of something because it did seem cathartic to me. I was like, hey, give me that sword. I'm ready. 
I'm ready to go. I'm ready. Off. It's so funny because, you know, I'm not a major drinker, but I think I drank um, a while ago and I was stressed actually. And I was like, oh, I know why people drink now. <laughs> like, it's like it's just no. Something about like, oh, the edge is off just a little bit, but you know, you know me, I face my, my problems head on all the time. So <laughs> yeah, girl, don't we all, I'm, I hope I never get dependent on a substance to help yeah. cope through life. No. That's when you do start to have those problems, right? Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I thought it was, it seemed hella cathartic to me and they both had reason to be because again, yes. Francis with Paul, uh, Carmel with her ex-husband, it was a lot. Um, and Jess's insistence, she and Ben began being dosed because again, they were left out of that process for whatever Which reason. Was never really cleared up. I thought that no. was interesting. It was never explained why they or Masha felt like they didn't need it. Ooh, I'll bring it up a little bit later. What my theory may be. Okay. I'll bring it up later. But because Jess was insistent, they ended up getting dosed with MDMA, aka Molly, which y'all says is better for couples. So in a flashback, we see Tony get an altercation with a man antagonizing him at a bar a year after he was forced to retire from the NFL, and Tony accidentally kills him, Delora. That is his true trauma. Oof. That's the one thing about this show that I thought was very interesting. We see, we saw each stranger, quote-unquote, reliving their trauma over and over and over again and it's a lot to take in you know what I mean and yeah it, it gives reason for their behaviors or dependencies in some cases but my Especially deal is with Tony exactly and with Tony it's like sir why are we relieving all of these things I mean granted he went through a lot right but and he was going was through withdrawals because he was yeah. uh, he was addicted to oxy and was alcoholic when he arrived. So mm-hmm. they've been with, they withdrew him from the oxy and now he's vividly reliving some of this stuff. To your point though, I kept wondering, is this for the best? This would drive some people insane. Like I don't think reliving trauma over and over again it's helps okay. everybody. Exactly, exactly. And don't get me wrong, it's like that delicate balance of you know, because human nature wants to forget it. So sometimes it's so buried, but it's still triggered, like some people say, in our bodies or it manifests its, its, itself in other ways. So it, in some ways you do have to face it, but it's like finding healthier ways of coping, I think is the ultimate goal, right? Absolutely. Um, Masha is upping the dosages by the end of episode four, much to Delilah's- Bye. Yes. Much to Delilah's continued concern, we discovered that Delilah is bipolar and is also drinking drug smoothies as a condition of her employment, but Delilah ain't here for the shenanigans. She basically threatens Masha, (laughs) says says essentially, if you do things for these guests without telling me about it again, we're going to have, there's going to be a problem. Um, We also see the threats on Masha heighten to wrap episode four. What were you going to say, Delora, about upping the dosages? I was just so fascinated to see that her own employees needed dosages. (laughs) You know what I mean? And in some ways, it's kind of comforting because they know what they're doing, right? So it's not like a not just you, not me kind of thing. But 
you know, everybody got something. I'm not saying that, but I'm like, so everybody's high up in this place. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think the, one of the things that was interesting to me was the idea that the staff, it's not like they just got hired. It seems like they all possibly went through the Tranquillum experience or had some form of an experience that brought them to Tranquillum with Yao being the one who helped her, you know, save her from dying with Delilah possibly going through things to be able to get to this point. Like they're not just higher hands. They have a more intimate relationship with Masha than that. Which makes it kind of cult-like, right? It is, like I said, <laughs> they from, have seen the light. from jump. They have seen the journey and it they are on the side. super yeah. culty. In a flashback to start episode five, we see glimpses that a previous Tranquillum guest appears to have died. Delilah looked particularly traumatized. My thought was, what all is Masha hiding? Because at this point, we had heard no mention of any issues or guests who had been injured or harmed throughout this Tranquillum experience. And everyone, all the strangers, were drinking her freaking Kool-Aid. So hard. Putting their lives literally into her hands. It's Zoe's 21st birthday, and she begins taking her smoothie dose and seeing her deceased brother, who she indeed was lying about being close to for whatever reason. Mm. Guest reactions to this increase in dosage are on the light side, talking about having more vivid dreams like Lars giving birth. And on the dark side, Carmel stabbing the table with a fork over mention of her wedding song and Francis Ooh. passing out in her breakfast and hallucinating a violent altercation with Catfish Paul. By the way, Catfish Paul is real life husband, Ben Falcone, yep. who always mm-hmm. has to have cameos in these projects. In her movies. Guess what? Everybody eats, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Melissa said, I'm an executive producer, put my husband in this show. Um, Were you concerned at all about the possibilities of this accelerated increase in doses? Because I think the reason why Delilah is expressing concern is not only the fact that we see that that previous guest died, but also there seems to be some sense of urgency that Masha has with this group that maybe she hasn't exhibited previously. Yeah, it just seemed like Masha was throwing all of her normal... um, protocol out of the window because even when we were first introduced to um the protocol Yao and Delilah they were like already now Mm -hmm. but yeah I never really got the sense of urgency I, I mean originally my thought was it has something to do with whoever's haunting Masha maybe she feels like she has to do something before you know, because again, it seemed like she's, she, it seems like she must have done something or known that she's done something that she was going to get got one day, right? So it's like, well, let's hurry this up with this group because this group is special and I picked them because they were especially broken or whatever, <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, it was fascinating. It continued to make me question again her genuineness and what her ultimate goal was because are you on some form of a timeline because there's something you are wanting to get out of this scenario? Like what mm-hmm. ultimately do you want to happen to these guests? You make it seem like it's all about them, but there's again, a lot that Masha is not telling these people. Well, at this point in the series too, Masha, her etherealness or her, her 
her uh, command starts to really wither away slowly but surely. Like she's losing her cool. She out here taking people's mans and and everything, you know. We don't know how long that that thruple's been going on, but the tension. Theo Yo seemed very comfortable with the arrangement. For sure. <laughs> the tension between them is actually a bit more complex, though, because it seems Masha is possibly having relations with Delilah as well when they have an intimate kiss out in the field, the yard, wherever we are. Mm-hmm. And Yao has no idea. Uh, Delilah mm-hmm. requests a stop to the Masha Yao relationship. But I have to be honest, in the moment, I was confused about which aspect actually bothered her. Was she jealous because she wanted Masha? was she jealous because she wanted yeah I was not sure but that sex scene with them just running their hands in the air over each other was wild <laughs> well that's so fun- funny because I thought the same t- thing too I'm like where's the jealousy coming from as you're as you just said is it for him or for her you know couldn't tell just yet by episode six, Masha asks Lars to record and document everything he sees on the heels of realizing she can control their dreams. And yet again, ups their dosage at breakfast, this time in an optional tea. They all took it and they were also assigned a buddy. So I felt like, oh, here we go. This is about to be a ride as if it has not already been. Now at this point, Delora, I'm again trying to figure out Masha's endgame and her genuineness. But we have a huge Carmel revelation in that Masha had an affair with her husband. And Ooh. she knew that that's why Carmel came to Tranquillum. Wow. Carmel claimed she came to study her in hopes her husband might want her back. Masha explains that he was nothing to her, that she had affairs with married men who would not get attached. Wow. Wow. That was some revelation, I have to say. And again, this also made me think of, again, Masha being on some boss-ish, like, you know you did some deeds out here in these streets. It's like, a, it's like almost like a mob boss. You know, mob bosses are never surprised when people come for them, you know? If they were doing like, blood work, what made Carmel think she was going to be able to hide where her ex-husband was? Like, <laughs> that was the thing that I found interesting. What like, do you did, mean? did Carmel think that there was not a possibility that Masha would have known who her ex-husband was, therefore knowing that she had had an affair with him? Because they yeah. said they submitted medical records, which means they had to have known or asked for a lot from these guests. Yeah, uh, Camille was very interesting, though, because it's just like, she dealt with so much insecurity and but then the rage comes out so fiercely that it's like so what is your angle what what do you know what you're doing like is this a front like I don't understand Carmel was a little terrifying to me even at this point I was like Masha do you know what you're getting yourself into like this is a woman scorned but again she's the one thing that Masha was pretty consistent on was her message, right? I can help you. I can help you. Even if something wasn't necessarily proven, she stated, I can help you, you know, with her in and out Russian accent. <laughs> 
Francis and Tony, who've been growing closer and closer, take their relationships to the next level while they're drugged on this tea. Jessica imagines her nose falling off, and the Marconis Ooh. all encounter Zach, which sends Heather into a psychotic breakdown and severe blame for his death as suicidal ideation we find out was a side effect of his asthma medications and to napoleon's point she scours labels of everything even things that she eats so now after finding this out napoleon her husband he blames her too for their son's death Masha offers to be a guide to Marconi's using psychedelics as an option to see and spend time with Zach. This is ultimately why Masha chose them, right? By the end of episode six, we see Masha walking behind a little girl on a bike only to see her go out in traffic and get hit by a car. It was her daughter who died. Delora, was this an aha moment for you about possibly what Masha's goals were, or were you still trying to figure it out after this episode? Uh, at this part of the season, I um, I think the aha mainly came from the fact that we saw, or at least understood Masha's humanity, right? She when she first came on the scene, she just seemed untouchable, literally. But by this part of the series, we realized that she was royally effed up, just like everybody else in <laughs> in Tranquillum, okay? Like, she was dealing with layers of trauma as well. Major issues. Death of, of a child near-death experiences like that's nothing to sneeze at by any means so yeah I it if anything it just showed it 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 made me understand why she wanted to help people because maybe she was able to find some serious coping mechanisms to get over the type of trauma that she dealt with that's a great point as Francis notes other guests seem to be progressing and finding some level of healing, but Carmel is deteriorating. She had expressed so concern. And so she obvious. had expressed concern <laughs> to Masha as she was already on psych meds. And we see her violently attack Masha, calling her Lillian, which is her ex's new wife, to start episode seven. She ends up being sedated and locked in her room for safety. The Marconis debate the drugging with Zoe trying to be the voice of reason. Um, what Masha fails to mention is that guest that died a year prior tried this same drugging and his family sued. When the Marconis start to have second thoughts, Masha decides to also take the protocol and be their guide to show them that it's safe. Delilah has had enough, Dolores. She leaves. She barrels through the fence to go to the cops. She tries to get Yao to come with her. He won't listen. She does not feel like what's happening is safe and that it is in the guest's best interest anymore. We end episode seven on a chilling note. Carmel tells Masha she should be in a real hospital and it's not safe for her to be around, ultimately revealing her identity as Masha's shooter with a creepy af fake eye give regina an award for this performance because she gave me chills absolutely did so you terrifying did you already figure this out on your watch that's a great question um 
I did not. Even after we were informed that Masha was Carmel's husband's first affair, right? Yep. It still didn't occur to me. If anything, I thought it might have been Carmel's brother or something. You know, I, I just still didn't think it was her. Even though she has some serious rage issues, right? But nope, didn't cross my mind at all. Woo, my first watch through the Carmel revelation of being her shooter rocked me to my core. When I tell you I turned it, it off, I, I slept with the with the light on that night. She freaked, like when oh, I tell wow. you, she really, like Regina really, really freaked me out. I had to try to think about her roles and other things. For some reason, Whoa. it just got to me so bad. Yeah. And But then the second time I watched it, I recognized her in the flashbacks because obviously hindsight's 2020 and it all makes sense your second mm-hmm. watch through, right? Mm -hmm. so let's move on to our grand finale um carmel reveals her intention that day was only to scare masha but she dismissed her right she tried to throw money at her and that really put carmel over the edge carmel has Mm -hmm. ultimately also been the one sending her the death threats while they've been there she says she wanted to make masha feel what it's like to lose control but delora instead of calling the cops as carmel tells her to masha forgives her delora are you calling the cops Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't I? That's a lot. That's a lot, ma'am. That's a lot. He has this scar that they put in front and center. I mean, you can't miss it in the middle of her chest. Granted, that was a, you know, symbol of her transformation and everything, right? But yeah, I'm calling the cops or the insane asylum. This ain't well. In that moment, I was like, oh, wow, Masha, you may be more off the rails than Carmel is because this woman literally alone in this room just told you that she shot you and almost killed you. And she puts what? this. Why does she find the need to put on that freaking contact? Because she needed to prove. Oh, it's giving me chills just even talking about it. Oh. She needed to prove her point because Masha just was not getting it. But The fact that Masha was just so easily like, listen, I can still help you. All of this is because of you. Like, Masha, you either better than me or you're out of your fucking mind. Either or. (laughs) Either or. There's no in between. Um, Lars knew and revealed the truths of the Marconis about Masha's daughter. Uh, When she was shot and died, she said she felt and saw her daughter and has been chasing that ever since. Now, Delora, while he was given revelations, why didn't Lars also reveal the truth to the Marconis about the guest's death while he was at it? He sure did not. Because I thought Napoleon adds like, well, has this ever been done successfully before or something like that? She lied. They had already, right, but they had already taken the the concoction or whatever. Yeah, and she lies. The only thing that Lars revealed was the daughter. And I was like, well, if you're being so forthcoming, you're not going to tell them the truth about this man dying? Okay. I don't know. Maybe that was out of pity because, you know, at this point of the series, Lars became my favorite character. (laughs) To me, it was extremely unethical. I was like, I get that you're a journalist, but that's super unethical. You're supposed to be a truth teller at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. But I'm saying, like, maybe he factored in, like, let's not have these people panic. (laughs) Since they already took it. Yes, yes. That that's that's my only rationale. <laughs> 
Masha had also opened up to Francis previously about her daughter and said that her death was the reason why she left Russia and that being a mother was the only time she liked who she was. She hadn't been able to truly see and feel her again until her experience with the Marconis. The protocol worked for the Marconis as well, who were also able to connect with Zach as a family one final time to experience the closure they needed to move forward. Napoleon had a bit of a scary reaction, though, but thankfully, everybody made it out alive. That final lockdown with all the guests, except for the Marconis that simulated a near-death fire experience mm -hmm. was thankfully mm -hmm. the final experience that they had to go through because they'd have been through a lot, right? Francis- and they really didn't inform them very well. No, Francis, Tony, Jess, and Ben had actually tried to leave right before that, right? And they realized that their cars had disappeared. So it was time to go. It was a wrap. Um, Masha is taking in, taken in by the police and the guests are questioned as we kind of wrap everything up. But otherwise, the season ends quite neatly, in my opinion. Delilah and Yao leave and are working for the Peace Corps. Lars writes his piece for the New Yorker and reunites with his ex, Ray, and has a child. Carmel becomes some form of a therapist group therapist herself Jess and Ben end up running Tranquillum which I hadn't realized until I read an article um, in which they also mentioned that they had originally considered splitting them up to end the series but that David E. Kelly just liked them too much to do so the Marconis have found peace as a family again Tony and Francis end up together along with his daughters in that beautiful labradoodle that they had talked about Francis writes a book titled, surprise, surprise, Nine Perfect Strangers, which we see Masha has a copy of as she drives off in Ben's yellow Lambo, clearly still taking psychedelics, as we also see her daughter is in the passenger seat. Mm -hmm. Delora, please give me your final thoughts on Nine Perfect Strangers. It was literally a trip. <laughs> um... I really enjoyed the characters. I thought they were well acted. I shipped Tony and Francis so hard and I yes. love the interaction. When he told her like, oh, all I want to do is get out of here, paint and go, you know, take, take you, out you to, dinner. to dinner. Oh my <laughs> gosh. I, I mean, it's just small stuff. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Also and when they were in the simulation and she said, I think I'm going to be giving you my house key pretty soon. I was like, okay, okay, Francis. Okay, sis. <laughs> this, is what, this is how you got in trouble last time, but it's okay. Um, she considered I, that. She considered it. <laughs> I really love Lars. Like, I loved how blunt he was and how, like, I don't know. I, I liked his, his arc. I like his character arc, you know, being so rough and hated everything and and then really opening up with the group. I I ultimately I truly enjoy seeing how different everyone was and just seeing how they really grew together in this insane experience. And the last thing I'm going to say is um the church side of me came out watching this because you know these desperate people put so much faith in a woman who frankly was insane because she had gone through so much you yes. know what I mean just because she posed you know people get so fooled by like you know fancy environments and how you present yourself they get caught up 
where the core of it all is she she doesn't have it and so the church side of me was that thinking of that song like um you know Christ the solid rock I stand all other uh, all other grounds are sinking sands like this whole wellness situation is all man-made and can fall apart <laughs> very easily it's it's it has no true foundation other than quote-unquote wellness and what is that exactly you know so that's well said Delora because to your point what I thought especially was my first original thought in the cult-like experience of this whole thing and I this is why people join Scientology. This is how people get caught up in a lot of shenanigans that I've watched many a documentary on because people Same. are trying to find this Same higher thing. self, this, yes. this sense of connectedness, this sense of purpose, and you get caught up and you get sold into other people's ideas of what that may mean, even if it's not necessarily to your benefit. Again, we do see this wrapped up nicely, which is one of the reasons why to me, it gets a C because I just felt like this is a this is a bunch of bullshit at the end of the day. This would not have worked for everybody. It would not no. have turned out perfectly. Somebody would have died. I hate to say it, but yeah. And and you know, I just feel like for the sake of you know cinematic and and a book and all that, I get they need to wrap it up, but I just I don't buy into this whatsoever in terms of you everybody can get drugged, everybody can be put on different formulas, and we're all gonna, you know, find our happily ever after, you know. Yeah, I'm not buying what they're selling. But my final thought too was why did Masha inevitably sell Tranquillum? Was it because she felt fulfilled when she reconnected with her daughter and that was her ultimate purpose? um and and you know just kind of unfortunately for Masha now she's just gonna live in the past forever you know it's kind of sad she's kind of the one story that was a little bit sad because everybody else moving forward and she's living in in the past so and I actually did put that in my notes like how many lives did Masha live like she lived so many iterations <laughs> you know don't know. I mean? don't know but ultimately um, what I think that the the show was lacking for me, again, was a little bit more nuance and a little bit more diversity in the way that everything kind of wrapped up. So if nothing else, Laura, that is our recap of Nine Perfect Strangers, Girl. So we can move on into our hidden gems of the week. Hit me with your hidden gems. Yay. Yes. So I have three hidden gems this week. The first being the 60-minute exclusive Facebook whistleblower interview. It is found on YouTube. Fantastic interview. Not very long, so um, it'll be easy watch. But <laughs> again, this interview came out on Sunday, Monday. Facebook was down for six hours. That's all I got to say to that. <laughs> My second hidden gem is a song. So we are coming out of Paris Fashion Week and Olivier, the head of Beaumont, one of his Instagram videos featured, you know, models walking the runway and this bomb ass song. This song is called Spirit X. It's by an artist named Ali Wiya. She's Ethiopian and Egyptian, and the song is fire. 
uh, it's a bit of, um, I don't know how to explain it. It's, um, it's up-tempo, it feels funky, it's amazing, I loved it. You should check it out. And my final hidden gem this week, if you don't know, Ashley and I are major The View fans. <laughs> and because this is their historic 25 year, because they say that every morning <laughs> for the show. With the background. They, right. They, they created a podcast because why not, right? Everyone has podcasts, Ashley. So this particular podcast is called Behind the Table, and it features interviews between the co-hosts, and for me, I've been watching The View for some years, and some of this tea is kind of good. <laughs> like, I'm like, yo, is that what happened? So the more recent episode is between Whoopi Goldberg and um, one of my faves, Nicole Wallace. Uh, she did not last very long, unfortunately, but apparently they're best friends. Like Whoopi doesn't have many friends and Nicole Wallace is one. Didn't know that. Apparently Rosie has, has major issues with Whoopi, which I had no idea. So the very first episode was with Meredith Vieira and Joy Behar. Their, their conversation was fun because they were the original OGs, but gotta love the black girl magic from episode two with sherry shepherd and sunny hostin it was so good uh sherry is amazing and funny and again they have a relationship her and sunny so it's just fun to see the relationships between past and present host and getting all the behind the scenes uh stories and who gets along who doesn't it's not that juicy but you do get some good you get some good nuggets here and there so that's it for my hidden gems what are your hidden gems this week, Ashley? So my first one is ironic because it's about wellness. <laughs> it's, ah. it's a podcast. It's called Dropping Gems with Debbie Brown. Um, I got turned on to this when Debbie was a guest on Higher Learning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, she does not give me the same vibes as Masha whatsoever. She's a well-being educator again, fell into it. Enjoy. I I just enjoy her overall energy and her vibe. Let me even start there. Um, She works for like the Chopra Wellness Institute, a bunch of other things that may not be the exact title, but um, Mm -hmm. she definitely is someone that I've, I'm enjoying understanding her thoughts on uh, overall, you know, you know, mindfulness and retreats and different things that I know people go on and experience to try to be one's best self. Again, I am a discerning person. I'm a critical thinker. So I don't know. I don't know how much I'm going to sip on the Kool-Aid, but I enjoy listening and absorbing some of it. So that is Dropping Gems with Debbie Brown podcast. My second is Blood and Water, which is back for season two on Netflix. This may have been a hidden gem previously from one of us. I can't remember at this point. Yeah, but I think it might have been mine because I had binged it like last year yeah I can't remember either but season two I'm into so far um the show is located overall in Cape Town South Africa focuses on a teen who enrolled at a private school suspecting another student is her sister who was abducted at birth so we get a little bit more um continuation of that so far into season two um no spoilers but it is definitely one to watch so that is blood and water one Netflix. And that is it for me as well. Guys, we'll be back with a new episode of Hot Topics and Headlines. Be blessed.
Live your best life. We will see you guys then. Yes. Bye.